Good evening. Hebrews chapter number 10. We're going to start our reading at verse number 19. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. And we're going to read through 25. So if you find that, please stand on or the reading of God's Word. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 19. We're not sure who said this. Some say the Apostle Paul, but it doesn't matter. God inspired it. So Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 19. It says, Having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, he says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching, let us pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for all that you do. God, I thank you for your many blessings. God, I thank you for the, the group that has assembled here tonight. God, I just pray that you would bless them for their effort of being here. God, I just pray that you would use me as your vessel tonight. Lord, speak through me. And Lord, only let me say what you would have me to say. God, I just pray that you would touch, uh, Lord, the, the reading of your word, but God, the message. Lord, let it go out and, and go into hearts, Lord, and let us learn something from your word tonight. God, you said that your word would never return void, God, and I just pray that, that each heart would, would be ready and be receptive to your word. Lord, not my word, but God, what you said. And Lord, we praise you and we thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. God, what a privilege that we have to be able to sit here in this service, this evening, Lord, so many people in the world don't have that privilege. And God, we thank you for it. We praise you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So I started in verse 19. The sermon tonight will actually just come with, from a couple of verses, verses 23 through 25. But I wanted to start off by letting you know that the Hebrew writer here is talking to the church. He's talking to the brethren. He says that in verse number 19. He says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. If you want to find a book that talks about the wonderful blood of Jesus, you don't have to go any further than the book of Hebrews. I was looking and researching this a while back, and, and you know, you can go to the scenes on the cross, you can go to all the crucifixion scenes, and it doesn't really give the importance of what the blood of Jesus did for us there. It, the, those scenes tell us that Jesus did, in fact, die on a cross, and it tells how cruel that death was and, and how the, he did that voluntarily and, and without, without any regard for his own life and we know that Jesus did that freely but the Hebrew writer brings out and he highlights just how important the blood of Jesus is see the reason that the Hebrew writer brings that out is he's writing to Hebrews he's writing to Jewish Christians and he's wanting to tell those Jewish Christians how superior that Jesus is and, and how much better Jesus is than those sacrifices that some of them were still trying to make at this time so you have to understand that, that where there is sin, that sin must be covered by blood. We talked this morning just a, very briefly about that, didn't we? How that, how that Jesus saved us 
from our sins. And how that he did that was through the shedding of his blood. The Bible says where there is no shedding of blood, there is no remission. That any time there is sin, it has to absolutely be covered by blood. Going all the way back to the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve realized that they had sinned and that they were naked, that blood had to be shed, the blood of an animal, so that they could get coats and blood had to literally cover their sin. So he says that we have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. No other way than he says by a new and a living way. He was telling them, he said that Jesus came and he fulfilled that law. And he said, he said, we used to have a religion of death in the Jewish law. He said, but now we have a religion of life. We have Christianity as something that gives life. See, once Jesus died on that cross, that was the only death that had to take place. And from there on out, Jesus offers to every one of us life. And what a wonderful offering that that is. He says, by a new and a living way, he goes on to say, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God. I'm glad tonight that I don't have to go to a priest, aren't you? Can you say amen right there? I'm sure glad that, that, that y'all don't have to come to me and tell me what y'all did wrong this week. That'd be awful for me. It'd be bad enough for y'all. But could you imagine being the guy that has to listen to all that stuff? It'd be terrible, wouldn't it? I couldn't imagine being a high priest. And, and the high priest in the Jewish law. Or even a priest in the Catholic Church. Or whoever uses priests now. I couldn't imagine every day somebody having to come up to me and say, Well, this is what I did this week. And I say, Alright, well, pay up. Because that's what they do, isn't it, Brother Gary? Well, you might as well pay your penance. Come on. And that's what those priests did. They, they had to stand there. But I'm thankful tonight that Jesus is the high priest. And then it says that we can enter into the holiest boldly. See, even the priests, the high priests in the Jewish, in the Jewish times, in the, in the time of the law, they couldn't even enter in boldly. They had to enter in humbly and, and, and just, just as carefully as they could so that or God would strike them dead. But now we have the privilege to go into the holiest. That is the throne room of heaven to God Himself to take our petitions and our prayers and everything that we have and we can go boldly into the throne room of grace only. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. You ought to say amen right there. But then he goes on and he says, verse number 22, he says this. Now I want you to notice something that the Hebrew writer did here. Three times he's about to use a certain phrase that denotes who he's talking to. Now we know that he's talking to the brethren, right? That's obvious as evidenced by verse number 19. Having therefore brethren, boldness. But then verse number 22, he says something. He says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You notice that phrase, let us. He just recapped what he just covered in verses 19 through 21. And then in verse number 23, he says something else. He says, let us, talking about Christian folks again, he says, let us Hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Now let's park on that for just a minute. Let's just hold on it and talk about how important that it is that we hold fast to our profession of faith. See, what Satan would love for you to do tonight is he would love for you to compromise on some things. Satan would love for you to, to, to lower some standards 
I'm not talking about traditions. I'm not talking about all things like that. I'm talking about things that the Bible says are true. Things that, that doctrinally the Bible says. And, and so many churches these days are, are just absolutely, they're not holding fast to their profession of faith anymore. I'm talking about serious transgressions that are being allowed in the church house. And not just into the church house, but I'm talking about things that are allowed in the pulpit these days. It's pathetic, really, is what it is. It, it turns my stomach to, to see where uh, the other day I was, I was scrolling through the news. And I hate the news, I really do, but I still read it for some reason. I guess it's like a car wreck. You don't want to see it, but you want to see what's going on, right? And I read the other day that, that it was, uh, I forget what, what, some kind of Baptist church. It wasn't a free will Baptist or I'd be writing somebody a letter. But, but a Baptist church allowed a, a transgender pastor in the pulpit. Somebody that don't know whether they're a man or a woman to come into the pulpit. And that's pretty bad, isn't it? You think they're holding fast to their profession of faith? I would say not. And I'm not trying to meddle here. I'm not trying to, to pick on people. I'm just telling you that people are compromising things that the Bible says you don't mess with. Things that God said, this is how it is. This is the bottom line. Here it is. You, you don't go over this line, and they're going over the line. And so many things are going on in the world that, that, that just, just turn my stomach. But he says, hold fast to your profession of faith. He doesn't say, hold fast to what you think, your opinions, your thoughts. But he said, your profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Hold fast to that. Now we can move on. And he says, for he is faithful that promised. But here's the text tonight. Here's, here's the sermon. I just gave you, that was a quick little recap, a little context. But this is what I really want to preach on tonight, starting in verse number 24. And I'll read it again for you, verses 24 and verses 25. He says, and let us, there's that phrase again, again, talking to the Christian brothers and sisters. He said, let us consider one another. And then he goes on to say, to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more, as you see the day approaching, he said, let us first consider one another. Now this message came to me earlier in the week than, than this morning's message did. And, and I struggled. I almost preached this this morning. But if there's ever a time that we need to encourage one another, it's today. A church needs encouragement, don't we? And the Hebrew writer starts off that, he says, let us. And, and I've ran over that so many times and, I, and just not paid much attention to it. But he said, really read into that and read what that says. He said, let us consider one another. He said, sometimes what you've got to do in this fast-paced life that we live in is you've just got to stop and you've got to slow down for a minute and you've just got to consider those around you. See, if we've ever lived in a time where it's all about number one, all about me, it's today. We live in a very self-centered society, don't we? Everybody's looking out for number one. Everybody wants their, wants their self to do the best. They want to promote their self. They want to gain for their self. And, and we're always looking out for me. But the Hebrew writer says, hold on, let's consider one another for just a minute. He says, consider one another. 
So as I thought about that, and, and I thought, well, why aren't we considering one another? What are we doing to consider each other? We, we like to consider people when they're doing bad things, don't we? We consider them, and we talk, and, and we, we kind of look down on them, and we frown upon them, and then it, we consider their life. But do we ever consider the situations that some people are going through in their life that you don't have any idea about? There's people in this room tonight that came on a Sunday night, and I appreciate people that come to church on Sunday night, don't you? I really do. I, I believe some people in the world don't even know we have church on Sunday night, but anyway, I won't get into that. But some people are here tonight, and they came in, and they shook hands with you, and they smiled at you, and they said, oh, things are going great, and they lied to you. Because things are not going great. Things in their life are absolutely falling apart. You ever consider that? You ever just consider people that things are not going so well in their life? He says, consider one another. He says, just stop. He said, and sometimes just think about people. Consider one another. Now, I don't, I don't really ever do it much because I, I've got a lot of things going on. But sometimes you just need to stop. And I think really what he's trying to convey here is that sometimes we just need to, to think about others above ourselves. Because that's being a Christian, isn't it? It's putting the needs of others in front of your own needs. If you want to see a true Christian... If you want to see somebody that truly follows Christ, it is somebody that will put aside their own comfort, somebody that will put aside their own desires and stop and consider somebody else that needs it worse than they do. That's the true definition of Christianity. Really, is considering others above yourself, being like Jesus. Jesus had a mission. He was on a mission. But what was Jesus always doing? He was always considering those around Him, wouldn't He? You never find hardly a, a section, a, a chapter hardly ever goes by in the Gospels where you don't find Jesus stopping and taking time out of his day and doing something for somebody else that needed it. See, the, the good thing that, that Jesus had going that we don't is Jesus could look right past their, their smiles and he could look right past all that and he could see the need that was down in those people. Jesus could look past those people and he saw those problems. My mind goes back to when Jesus said that he must needs go through Samaria. You, know, you remember that, that part and, and of the Bible in John chapter 8 when Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. And Jesus went to Samaria and he stopped at Sychar's well. And he stopped there and he sat down and a woman showed up. And I'm sure that that woman showed up and she probably, when she walked up, she probably tried to put on a good front and, and she probably maybe had a smile on her face and said, hey, how you doing, sir? And it's, it sure is hot today or whatever people say, you know, the, all the, the, the foolish banter that we sometimes talk about. And Jesus, right there in that moment, considered that woman. He looked at that woman and he started talking to her about her situation. See, that woman had some problems, didn't she? She had some issues in her life. And Jesus told her what her issues were. Now here, let's take a time out for just a minute and talk about people that have issues. Because that's what I'm talking about here. That people in this church tonight have problems. They have issues. They have situations. And they're not good situations. And sometimes we hear about those, don't we? 
You know, as, as a pastor, I get to hear about stuff that happens in people's life. I do. Uh, that's a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. And, you know, I want to hear those things. But then sometimes people tell you things. Let's just say that, that I find something out about Mason and I find something out that's, that's good and juicy, you know, something that I would love to go tell Brother Gary about. And I don't know what's going on in Mason's life. I hope everything's going great. I know he's a college student. Me and Mason are pretty close. But let's just, if I consider him for a moment and I find out about something in his life, what am I going to do with that? But then he goes on and he tells us what we should do when we, when we consider one another. See, when we find out those things that are not the best, he says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. He said that we're not to go out and, and try to tear people down. We're to try to provoke them. Now, there's some people in my life that, that easily provoke me. Can you say amen right there? And let's just say that for a moment, what Mason's done is it's towards me. And, and Mason, he's made me mad a couple times I can think of already. Most of the time it was on the softball field. He'd run his little mouth off at me. And I thought, boy, I'm bigger than you. You better hold on a minute. He's provoked me a couple of times. <laughs> we provoke each other, don't we? But what the Hebrew writer's trying to get here is we need to be careful how we handle people and how we handle what's going on in their life. He says that, that we're not to go about and gossiping about people. We're not to go around talking about people behind their back. We're not to do any of that. He says we're to provoke each other. And some people would just stop right there and just take that and run with it, wouldn't they? The Bible says we can provoke each other. But it doesn't say to provoke each other to anger. It says to provoke each other to what? What's it say? Does it say to provoke each other to love? It also says to provoke each other to good works. We need some love in this world, don't we? <laughs> there's hate everywhere you turn. It just seems like that, that everywhere you go, there's, just, there's, there's hate everywhere. And, and even in churches, there's disdain for people. There's, there's people that don't like each other. Do y'all believe that happens in churches? It does. And I've seen it mess churches up bad. Now, I know that, that some of you will think, well, he's, he's, he's preaching on things and he's meddling and all that. But I just want to be honest with you. This stuff has to be preached. Because, see, we're going to heaven together if we're saved. And we might as well learn to get along with each other while we're down here if we can. Amen? He says we're to provoke each other to love. That it's my job when I hear that about Mason and when I consider Mason and all that, that I should say, now wait a minute. I'm going to go to him and I'm going to provoke him to love. I'm going to provoke him to go do something good. That good works right there. It means not only good works, we think about morally good, you know, doing, doing the right thing. But he's talking about doing things that bring about good. Provoke each other to go out and just to do good in the world. The world could use love and it could use some good works, couldn't it? And you know who that's up to? It's up to me and you. Now, as a preacher, it is my job to provoke you to that. It's my job every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday to try to, to, to stir you up 
and say, all right, I'm going to equip you, I'm going to give you some Bible, I'm going to give you what God says, and then go into the world and, and go, go share it with the world. But did he say it's to stop with the preacher? No, it says provoke one another. Sometimes it's important for Brother George to look at Sister Holly and say, hey, go do some good stuff. Hey, go love the world. You ever had to say that to her, brother? No, he's never had to say that. She's just that good at it. But it's up to us to look at each other and to try to provoke each other and say, hey, that that word provoke, it's kind of like, you ever seen a cattle prod? Y'all ever seen them? I like those electric ones, you know. Those are the the best kind. I don't like them kind you just poke. But he's telling us here, he said, you want to stir a cow up, you you, you prod it and it provokes it, don't it? Sometimes we need to just take the Word of God and we need to go to each other and we just need to provoke each other and say, here, here's what the Bible says, go do it. Go love, go, go do good works, consider one another. But then he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say in the next verse, verse 25, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Now I alluded to that a few minutes ago, how I like Sunday night and Wednesday night folks. But then he says this, but exhorting one another. Exhorting one another. And then he gives a condition on when we are to exhort one another. He says, exhort each other so much more as you see the day approaching. What day is he talking about? Well, he's talking about the day of Christ's return. That's exactly what day he's talking about. So much more as you see the day approaching. Well, I'll tell you what, church, you don't have to be a theologian to see that that day is quickly approaching, isn't it? It's coming fast. I believe that it it is nigh upon us. In fact, I'm surprised that the Lord hadn't come back already a little bit, aren't you? I'm a little bit surprised about that. You know, 10 years ago when I was sitting in church and the preacher was preaching this, I thought, hey, 2019, we'll be out of here. We'll be gone. But I'm glad that God's allowed us to stay here and to, to continue to win people to the Lord. But he said so much more, exhort one another. Now what I want to say about that, what is to exhort? It, it is to simply just lift people up. It's to encourage people. See, people need encouragement because there's enough discouragement going around. We're really good at discouraging each other sometimes. You know, it, it's so easy to just, just say a harsh word or say a cross word and, and discourage somebody. But as Christians, you would think that the, the one place that you could come and get encouraged would be the house of God, wouldn't it? He says encourage each other. Exhort one another. I just want to tell you this. A kind word will go a long way with somebody. You don't have to go up and give them a big spill to make them feel better. You don't, have to, you don't have to just give a big speech and it be all uplifting and give a bunch of scripture and you know just, just give them a little, little sermonette and all that. You don't have to do that. Just go up to somebody. If you really want to lift somebody up, go up to them. Take them by the hand. And this will, this will absolutely blow somebody's mind if you do it too. Take them by the hand and say, I want to pray for you right here, right now. Not, I will pray for you later. Not, not, I am praying for you. But just go up and pray for somebody. That's ex- exhortation right there. That's lifting somebody up. That is showing somebody that you care about them. Go up to them, pray for them. Right there on the spot, say a kind word to them. It's real simple. You know, some of the, 
some of the, uh, believe this or not, every time I preach, I, I feel like I do a pretty bad job. That's just, that's just me. That's who I am. And, and sometimes I've had people just walk up to me at the back door, and I'm not looking for this. I'm not asking you, but they'll just say it just a little kind word, and it sure helps a preacher, don't it, Brother Gary? You think that, hey, you know, I, I, I bombed that one. It was terrible. And then somebody says, well, that helped me. Well, maybe, maybe Brother Cecil needs to walk up to, to brother, brother Charlie and say, you know, Brother Charlie, something you done last week, that really helped me. I appreciate you doing that. If you see somebody doing something, tell them you appreciate it. Tell Brother Cecil you appreciate him, but say it genuinely. Don't just say it because I told you to. Tell people in this church that are doing things, and even those that are not. Just tell some of these folks in here that, that had a hard time getting in here tonight. Tell them you're glad to see them here. That'll go a long way. If you see a young person, some of you older folks see a young person like Mason or Austin or, or, or Adam over there, somebody that's here, go up and, and, and say kind words to that young person. Don't be critical of them. Please don't do that. If, you, if you're going to be critical of somebody, I would rather you just keep your mouth shut, to be honest with you. I'd rather you just not say anything. And why is that? Because Jesus is soon coming. Discouragement's everywhere. We need to be encouraging one another. We need to consider one another. We don't know what each other are going through. You don't, you don't really know what's going on in my life other than what I tell you. Now, I'll just tell you everything's going fairly good. As of when I left the house, everything seems pretty, pretty well. My family's healthy. Everything seems to be going good. But for some people, it's not. For some people, they're discouraged, they're depressed, they're disheartened. And a kind word might just be the key to getting them some help, to getting them back in the will of God, to encouraging them and putting them on the up and up so that they'll want to serve God with all their heart. A little kindness goes a long ways. And if there's any people in the world that should be showing kindness to each other, it should be right here. You shouldn't have to go to work tomorrow and expect them to be kind to you. You shouldn't have to go to school tomorrow and expect the professors are going to be nice to you, right, brother? Because they're not going to be. The professors are pretty rude most of the time. We don't go out into the world expecting kindness, but we should come into the house of God expecting it. And not only should we expect it, but we should give it too. We should reach out a, a kind hand or, or help somebody out. Do some good things. Do some good works. Those good works, they don't get you to heaven. But God expects us to do them. Did you know that? God expects us to love one another. First John, he said that how can you love God whom you have not seen if you can't love your brother whom you have seen? <laughs> how do we expect to show love to God when we haven't seen him, if we can't get along here. I know people have their issues. I know people have their ugly spots and their problems. They do. All of us do. Can you agree to that? That deep down, we're all human. We're all going to have problems. We're all going to have dispositions and personality quirks and things that just kind of rub people the wrong way sometimes. But look, let's look beyond those little warts and those little things that, that just are kind of ugly sometimes and let's lift each other up let's exhort one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching amen
Father, we love you, God. We thank you for all that you do. God, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I hope that that I can be an encouragement to somebody here tonight. God, I pray that each person in this room, under the sound of my voice, will take this message to heart. Lord, nothing that I have said, but God, what your word says. He said, let us, therefore, consider one another. God, I pray that that folks, as we go out into the world tomorrow, we, we can consider each other. Lord, that we could look on each other with kindness. That we could be an encouragement. Lord, that we could exhort each other. And that we could provoke each other to love and good works. God, I hope tonight that I could provoke some folks in a good way. Lord, to do some good things. To go out and help some people. Lord, to just, just pray for some folks. Lord, whatever the situation may be, God, you can providentially put people in each other's life just for a little bit of encouragement. God, I pray that you do that. God, I pray that this week, Lord, my prayer tonight would be that opportunities to be kind would present themselves and that people would remember these words found in Hebrews chapter 10 that were to exhort and provoke unto good works. God, I pray that we could encourage one another. Lord, lift each other up for your glory. Lord, not to make ourselves look big, but God, just to, just to glorify you just a little bit more. God, I pray that you would touch these folks as we go out into a, another week. Lord, that you would just bless them and all that they do. God, let us shine a light in a lost and dying world. God, let us be salt and let us be light this week. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.